0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul and Byron, by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here.
1: Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Adelaide.
0: This is Alexis Lafrenière of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL, and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA.
2: Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions.
0: The World Juniors. the NHL Draft.
1: With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program Jack Hughes.
0: And more. Unbelievable. Wow. That's incredible. This is The Pipeline Show. All right.
2: Welcome to another weekend edition of The Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Fleming. Thank you very much again for tuning in to another episode if you're a returning listener if you're a newcomer welcome to the program and uh, let me know how you came across the show uh I, again i've mentioned it before for those of you who have been a uh, long-time subscribers wherever you get your uh, a copy of the pipeline show from whether it's itunes or spotify or, or wherever if you have the ability to leave a comment or a rating uh, please take a second and do that uh, that's a big benefit to those who uh or maybe just uh, searching for a hockey show or a hockey prospect show, and maybe i have never heard of the Pipeline show before, even though it's been around for a long time now, but uh, there are always newcomers to the show, and your little uh, comment or rating might be the difference between them giving the show a try or not, so uh, please take a second and do that. I know a number of people have lately, uh, and I uh, greatly appreciate that. Also wanted to uh, start off by saying a big thank you to everybody who signed up to be a patron. There's been a a flurry of activity lately. Uh, unfortunately, I've lost some sponsors here in the last little bit. I, I think that is the case for a lot of people and a lot of businesses right now in these uh, troubled times. Uh, so any little bit that uh, comes in via Patreon is a uh, is a big help. So I appreciate uh, those who have signed up. Two bucks a month is all it takes. It goes right to your credit card uh, and through PayPal. I never see any numbers or anything like that. Uh, And what you get in exchange for that two bucks is early access. All the interviews that you hear on the pipeline show are available for two, three, sometimes four days uh, before the uh, eventual show comes out. Most of the time the show comes out on Fridays. I'll do interviews with people and players uh, on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, put the show together basically on a Thursday and then do some final edits on a Friday before it's uh, uploaded and, and, and available to the public. But, about a half an hour, an hour after the interviews are done, say on a Tuesday, they're on the Patreon uh, page uh, and available to uh, to patrons who uh, do cough up a couple of bucks a month. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show in case you haven't had a chance to check it out yet. As always, we start with the question of the day. It's brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who usually they run a commercial, but because nothing's happening, uh, we're going back to the uh, the question of the week. Uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings. This week's question, I just put it up on Twitter only a matter of minutes ago, so I don't think there's probably a whole lot of response just yet. But uh, the question of the week, doing the whole Mount Rushmore thing, uh, give me your favorite CHL or NCAA team and the four players that you would put on uh, the Mount Rushmore for that particular uh, club. Uh, And uh, I also made the stipulation... I don't care about NHL success or pro success afterwards, just the impact they had with that team, what they meant to that particular franchise. Uh, and I started off, I took the Edmonton Oil Kings, the team I'm closest to, having done you know, a lot of uh, broadcasting for the team and uh, being that's right here in Edmonton. And the four players that I chose, uh, Mark Pesek, the first uh, player ever taken uh, by the Oil Kings in their uh, first draft, went on to be a captain, led them to a WHL championship, so hard not to have uh, a Mount Rushmore for the Oil Kings without Mark Pesek. I also uh, mentioned Tristan Jari, who, in my opinion, is the best goaltender the franchise has ever had. Was in net for them when they uh, won the Memorial Cup in 2014. So I think he deserved a spot. Of course, uh, Michael St. Croix, the all-time uh, leading scorer in franchise history. And then I also included uh, Trey Fix Wilanski who, if he'd played another year, probably, well, I, I don't think there's any question he would have overtaken St. Croix. A four all-time score for the franchise, but put up massive numbers in a uh, short period of time comparatively. So uh, those are my four for the Oil Kings. Mark Pesek, Tristan Jari, Michael St. Croix, and Trey Fix-Walansky. Let me know your team and the four names you would put on the Mount Rushmore uh, for that team. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Let's get to some uh, CHL news, because there actually is CHL news. Oh my gosh, we get to finally talk about some actual things going on. Well, let's start with the uh, uh, exceptional news of the week. The WHL has their first exceptional player uh, granted by Hockey Canada coming out of British Columbia from uh, North Vancouver. His name is Connor Bedard. He will be eligible for the upcoming WHL Bantam draft. And uh, right now, it's expected that uh, the Regina Pats will take him. They... They, uh, by the way, the banner of draft, uh, the lottery was held recently as well. Prince George was the ball taken out of the hopper, uh, so they move up to number two. That keeps Regina in the number one spot. They had Swift Currents uh, pick, so it's expected they will take Connor Bedard. But who knows? It's not a guarantee. Sean Day was given uh, exceptional status uh, back in his 15-year-old year and uh, went fourth overall in the OHL priority selection that year. So, wouldn't be the first time. Uh, but uh, from what I gather, and I don't follow the Bantams uh, until they're in the WHL, so I don't know the players, uh, but it sounds like uh, that uh, it's uh, almost a lock uh, that uh, the Regina Pats will take him. So that's the first big news item. The second is the U.S. the first U.S. draft uh, in the WHL's history, that two-round uh, draft that uh, broke the news about back in the, uh, well, I guess, well, I don't remember when I started that, when I uh, started to report that. I think it was November-ish, 1st of November, something like that. Anyway, the draft was finally held on March 25th. It was a snake draft. So Red Deer had the first pick. They also had the last pick in the uh, two rounds. Uh, they went with uh, Grayson Sotchin, who is uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Tri-City took Sean Rios, and the Edmonton Oil Kings took uh, Alex the Greek. That's as far as I'm getting. Uh, I don't know, don't know how to pronounce it yet. Uh, One of the bigger players, though, uh, taken in the draft uh, for the Oil Kings, uh, he's listed at 6'1 and 175 pounds already from San Diego, and uh, put up some uh, big numbers there as well. So we'll see, uh, when it all shakes out, how many of these uh, 44 players who were selected over the uh, two rounds, how many of them eventually translate to WHL players. But I applaud the uh, the Western Hockey League for taking that initiative to try to... uh, get more talent to come north, especially from states like California and Texas and, and uh, Arizona, Minnesota, obviously, Alaska, uh, at least one player from North Dakota was selected as well, Nevada, Oklahoma, so lots of uh, lots of areas where players are coming from nowadays, and the WHL has to find a way to attract them to come north, and uh, I think this is the first step in that, so uh, good on the WHL, we'll see how it works. Uh, Moving east in the Ontario Hockey League, the annual coaches poll came out. 20 categories. I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, here's some of the highlights. The most improved player in the Eastern Conference, Jack Quinn of the Ottawa 67. Uh, Tyson Forster as well uh, gets a mention of the Barry Colts. They were basically neck and neck in voting. In the Western Conference, it was a, a decisive victory for goaltender Nico Dawes of the Guelph Storm as the most improved player. The smartest player in the East, it's Marco Rossi of the 67s, who reportedly will not return to the OHL next year. Uh, He will be playing pro in Europe, if not playing pro in the NHL. So uh, something to remember when the NHL draft gets closer. Uh, Shane Wright uh, also uh, gets a mention as being in the uh, smart player category. He uh, finished second in the coaches poll in the Eastern Conference. In the West, it was Cole Perfetti from Saginaw, followed by Jamie Drysdale and Connor McMichael. Akil Thomas, also mentioned, in the East. Hardest worker, Keenan Washgarak uh, from the Mississauga Steelheads. Nick Robertson included uh, in the Eastern half of that uh, that category. In the West, it's Damian Grew, just signed recently by the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Luke Boca from the Windsor Spitfires. And Vlad Koliachanak of the Flint Firebirds. Best playmaker in the East is Marco Rossi. Best playmaker in the West, Cole Perfetti. Most dangerous in the goal area in the east, it's Nick Robertson from the Peterborough Peets. And in the west, it's Connor McMichael uh, from the London Knights. Uh, best skater Thomas Harley gets a mention here for in the Eastern Conference, whereas uh, Liam Foody of the London Knights wins it in the west. Hardest shot, or best shot rather. Uh, Nick Robertson in the east, Connor McMichael in the west. The hardest shot is Noel Hofermeyer uh, from the Ottawa 67s in the east, and Brady Lyle of the Owen Sound Attack for the west. Looking for a face-off guy? Well, it's Zach Gallant of the Peterborough Peets in the east, and uh, in the west it's tied to Landry, although it's a tie. Jason Wilms from the London Knights as well. So you can find that uh, complete rundown on the OHL's uh, website right on the uh, the main page. Go through some uh, signings at the NHL level, teams that have signed uh, players uh, here as of uh, late. I think uh, last week we left off with a human gang from Western Michigan signing with St. Louis. Here's uh, what's happened since then. We're still waiting for uh, last week's guest, uh, Brinson Paschnuk, uh for that announcement. He said it was uh, coming right away. Uh, has not happened yet, officially at least in the uh, the last week. Anyway, Austin Ruschloff uh, goes from the Western Michigan Broncos to the New York Rangers. Calgary, the Flames signed both Connor McKay from Minnesota State and Colton Pullman of the uh, UND Fighting Hawks. The Oilers signed uh, Raphael Lavoie of the Chicoutimi Saganine. Damian Grew, who I just mentioned, signed with Minnesota, as did Spokane Chiefs Adam Beckman, leading scorer in the WHL this year. And Dawson DiPietro of uh, Western Michigan signs with the Buffalo Sabres. Philadelphia signed uh, one of their draft picks, Tanner Lashinsky, from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Carolina Hurricanes uh, picked Cotton a couple of times. Uh, Jason Cotton uh, from Sacred Heart and David Cotton from Boston College, both of them uh, signing with Carolina. Minnesota Wild were actually busy. Uh, that would be uh, Bill Guerin getting some work done. Mitchell Chaffee from uh, UMass, he was one of the top free agents available. Uh, he was signed. Uh, they also signed Hunter Jones, who they drafted, a goaltender with the Peterborough Pete's. Matthias Samuelson uh, signs with the Buffalo Sabres. Max Gildin and Alex Rohhauser uh, both signing with the Florida Panthers. And the most recent uh, signing that's uh, listed uh, at Elite Prospects is uh, with the Boston Bruins. St. Cloud State defenseman Jack Eshawn uh, signs with the Bruins. That's it for the news and notes. Uh, all my guests that you hear on the program, they come to us via the Troubled Monk hotline. And big news here with Troubled Monk as well. Home delivery now available, and uh, I'll read it straight off their website. You can go to troubledmonk.com for all the details, but how about this? Flatten the curve with advice from Alberta Health Services. We are temporarily limiting our taproom service, but we remain open for off-sales only. During this time, we will be offering free home delivery for Red Deer, Edmonton, and Calgary. In support of the many who are in self-isolation, we want to provide free delivery on weekdays With a minimum order of 50 bucks. In Red Deer, if you order before 2 o'clock, you'll get same day delivery. Their tap room is also open uh, for pickup. If you want to order it by 2 and then uh, go pick it up. In Edmonton or Calgary, if you order by 2, you'll still get same day delivery as well. All the prices that I'm going to mention here include deposits, recycling fees, and GST. So you can get a 6 pack of the Daycation Lager for 14 bucks. $14 fourteen bucks for a six pack delivered to you. Six pack of Pesky Pig, six pack of the open road American brown ale, six pack of the bucktooth Belgian white or a six pack of the Golden Gates, all of those are fifteen bucks. Here's a brand new one. I haven't tried this one yet, but it's a four pack Tallkens. Uh, the Juicy Gossip New England IPA uh, seventeen bucks for that. Again it's a four pack but it's the the tall cans. You can also get the Rebels Red for fifteen bucks. If you're a hard iced tea fan, you can get the troubled tea for 14 bucks. That's a six pack. They also have gin and soda six pack for 14 bucks. You can get a uh, bottle of adequate vodka for just over 26 bucks, and the epitaph blue Jim for 45 bucks. So it, as long as your order is 50 dollars, you get free delivery, same day delivery if you order by two o'clock. That is uh, outstanding. I suggest you check out their website again, troubledmonk.com. And uh, take advantage of that. Coming down the pipe today on this week's episode, kind of doing things different. As mentioned last week, we're really winging it right now because there's not a whole lot of news going on. I reached out to try to get a a fairly significant player uh, this week and uh, was told he's not available. Uh, And I expect that's going to be the case uh, a lot of the time. Uh, Some teams are laying people off right now. Uh, Others are just kind of shutting down, so I don't know how available some players are going to be. I might have to reach out to agents to try to help set up interviews, which is fine. Uh, But there will be episodes of the show as we continue moving forward, and I do plan to have a show every week. Uh, But uh, as I mentioned last week, we're going to have to change things up a bit. So this week, it's a Bob Ridley tribute show. Bob Ridley is the longtime voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers. He's the only broadcast voice that the team has had. He's been there for 50 years. 50 years! And he's missed one game. One game in 50 years, and it was because the radio station that he was working for uh, sent him to cover a uh, a curling bond spiel. So against his will, he went, and that is the only game that he has missed in 50 years. Never called in sick. It's, uh, it's mind-blowing. And then when you consider the fact that uh, for a long portion of those 50 years, he was also driving the bus, uh, and uh, it just gets amazing. So What I've done, over the last 15 years of the Pipeline show, we've talked to several former Medicine Hat Tigers. When you do that, eventually the topic of conversation comes around to Bob Ridley a lot of times. Um, So I've gone through the archives and I've plucked all the Bob Ridley content from those uh, various interviews. So in the uh, first segment, I'm going to share a bunch of those with you. And in the uh, last segment today, a brand new interview that I did this week with Bob Ridley as... He was about to check off the box for game 4,000. He's stuck right now at 3,999 because the league shut down just as he was about to hit that uh, milestone. And there was a big celebration planned, a big event uh, that night uh, as the Tigers were hosting the Swift Current Broncos. That obviously didn't happen. So in lieu of that, hey, we'll uh, we'll celebrate Bob Ridley here on the Pipeline Show this week. How about that? So when we come back, hear from uh, a number of former Tigers sharing their thoughts on the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bob Ridley. All of that coming up here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
0: Down to Ennis steals the puck, he's down the right side, puck's following him around tonight, Ennis is in over the low line, he gets away from Mason, and walks in, down to Ennis, back and shot, and Sabra makes the save another-
3: Hi, this is Tyler Ennis of the Minnesota Tigers, and you're
0: listening to The Pipeline Show.
3: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time.
2: 3,999 games uh, as the voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, That elusive 4,000 game mark uh, would have been achieved the next game, obviously. That's math. Bob Ridley would have hit that 4,000 mark two days after the uh, official stoppage to the WHL season. So we have to wait now. Uh, We know that day will come, uh, but we have to wait a little bit for uh, Bob to reach that milestone dedicating uh, this show to the legendary broadcaster, uh, synonymous with the Western Hockey League. You're going to hear, before we get to an interview uh, that I just did this week with Bob, uh, I'm going to play a few clips of some uh, former Tigers, a lot of them uh, NHL guys, who uh, we had on the Pipeline show over the last 15 years. At some point, uh, a number of these uh, were with uh, my good friend Dean Millard. Uh, you'll hear his voice a couple of times in here as well, I believe. And, and while we were talking with uh, former Tigers, and Way back when we were doing a segment that we were uh, putting together, we were calling it "Focus on the Franchise," where we would get a bunch of players, or coaches, or GMS, or whatever uh, guests that we had on to reflect on where they were as juniors or collegians. Uh, and then we would, when we had enough uh, content about that specific, just what it was like growing up and and playing for whichever team it was, we would put together the segment we call "Focus on the Franchise." And we did one with the Medicine Hat Tigers. And of course, if you're doing something with Medicine Hat. The name Bob Ridley is going to come up. So uh, a bunch of the players that we had on then and some that I've had on the show since. uh, I've uh, collected the Bob Ridley quotes and and, uh, we'll share those with you uh, right now. And then uh, we'll have a quick break and then we'll come back and you'll hear an interview with Bob Ridley. We're going to start with uh, Joffrey Lupel, who is a member of the Tigers for three seasons, uh, starting in 2000 and ending in 2003. And when we asked him about Bob, well, this is what he had to say.
1: Bob Ridley, great man, great play-by-play guy, and, and uh, a good bus driver too, but I know sometimes he'll put in a four-hour shift on the play-by-play and then drive a 14-hour bus trip, so I, I don't know if that's 100% safe, but he, he does a great job, and uh,
2: I
0: mean, it's it's actually a pretty amazing story. He's been doing it for, uh, I think, close to about 30 years, so um, that's a pretty neat story.
2: Yeah, it was 30 years back then, but uh, now it's uh, 50 years for uh, Rid's, Not always driving the bus, but uh, he did for a long time. We also chatted with a couple of NHL goaltenders. Uh, Chris Osgood was a member of the Tigers in the late 80s and uh, early 1990s. He started with uh, the Tigers back in 1989 and ended up, well, finished his WHL career with uh, Brandon and then Seattle. But uh, most of his WHL time was spent as a Medicine Hat Tiger, and uh, he also had some thoughts on Bob
0: Ridley. Hey, Bob's a unique person. He's, he's been doing it for years. He still is doing it. Uh, he's an irreplaceable guy, in, not only in Medicine Hat, but in, in the Western Hockey League. Everybody knows him. Uh, he's done a yeah, great job. He's uh, one of those guys that, as you go through life, you'll oh, never, never forget him.
2: And the other goaltender is a well-known broadcaster, Kelly Rudy, who, uh, boy, he couldn't say enough. Uh, good things about uh, his time in Medicine Hat
0: but also about RIDs. Bob Ridley, you mentioned, uh, is a, a favorite of mine. I talk to Bob actually he's often still, and uh, he's a real uh, legend around medicine. In fact, if you were to talk to a lot of junior people around the country, they would uh, recognize Bob as being a, a brand almost. Uh, as you mentioned, he he drives the bus, he does the radio broadcast, and I don't know, I know they've hired another driver now just because it, Bob's been doing it for a lot of years, but I could never... Uh, understand how he could do that so well and never any accidents and uh, you know he had for instance when Billings uh, we're in the league back in the late 70s. Bob, would, I believe, would leave at 6 in the morning. We'd drive. We'd stop halfway there. We'd have a bite to eat, I think, in Haver, Montana. And then we'd continue on. We would get ready in the dressing room before the game, obviously. And Bob would catch about a half-hour, hour nap, do the game, and we'd hop right back on the bus and get back. And I don't know how you could do that. And he did it for years and years and years. So I love Bob. He's great.
2: There was a stretch of time where the Tigers uh, were, well, they were dominant for a while, but then they also fell on hard times. And There were five years they finished dead last in the division. Uh, And then Willie Desjardins uh, came to the team and uh, really brought them back up to not just respectability, but uh, contending and uh, won a a league championship as well. Then Willie left. Went to the NHL, coached for a while, and at the start of this season, he returned to Medicine Hat and uh, had him on at the start of the year to talk about coming back to the team and how everything had been, uh, how everything had changed. And uh, here's how I led up to the question: New building, so that's different, obviously. But uh, Bob Ridley's still there, so the more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great to have Reds around. He's <laughs> seen so many things with hockey and and with his team in particular. Um, you know, it's great It's great to see him again. He's looking good. Uh, it was good. We He uh, drove the bus, called the game in Regina the other night, drove home, so it's just like all times.
2: Just a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with uh, former Tiger Mark Rassel, who uh, is now at the University of New Brunswick. And uh, this, is, this conversation uh, I had with him was only two, three weeks ago, right before the stoppage uh, of the U-Sports uh, playoffs as uh, UNB was uh, headed to Halifax. Uh, to uh, contend for the national championship and Mark Russell is on that squad and eventually the conversation steered towards uh, Rids, and uh, this is what Mark had to say.
1: Uh, he is, uh, well that's a name Bob Ridley, he's synonymous with Tigers hockey. I, I can't even begin to imagine you know it's 50 years now, 4,000 games on Saturday of, of calling the game. He's driving the bus for most of them to and from and I guess in the early years he was driving the bus back from whatever road trip they were on and then Having a coffee and going right to the 6 a.m. morning shift at the local uh, radio station. Amazing. So I don't know how he did it. It's incredible, but the, I think the best part about that is the one game that he missed is his radio station thought he'd be better off to call a curling match. Mm-hmm. So I think their radio station is probably kicking, kicking themselves knowing what, what could have been. But the fact he's only missed one over all these years is absolutely incredible. And you know, I hope it's a special night on Saturday night for, for Ridge. You know, he was a—he uh, was always, like a, not, not, a, not necessarily a mentor, but just like a huge figure in Medicine Hat. who was super nice to the young guys coming in, and, and he was a part of explaining what Medicine Hat Tiger culture was, which is kind of odd for a radio guy to do, and usually that'd be a job for, you know, coaches and older players. But he was there, and because he's been there from the start, he just knows so much. So he would help in the process of of explaining to the young guys what it meant to be a Tiger.
2: He, he's told me in the past that, you know, on on the longer trips while he was driving – players would have to come and, and, you know, sit up at the front and, and just talk to him to make sure, that, you know, he like he didn't start dozing off or something because, boy, I mean, the trips in the dub are crazy as it is. But to drive there, call a game, and then drive back, you could understand if a guy was drowsy after that. So, I mean, how many of the guys, would you be one of the guys that, that take a shift and, and go go up front and talk to Rids?
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I'd go up and talk to him every once in a while when he was driving. Uh, but there's definitely some instances of, you know, when you're sleeping on the bus and you get the rumpled strips on the side of the road, we used to call them the Ridley strips because that's how we knew he was staying between the lines. He, sometimes if it was stormy, he'd just ride them because he's like, well, I know if I'm on them, I'm on the road. So so he was funny like that, but uh, pretty tough to sleep when you're, when you're bumping up and down the whole trip. But, you know, we always got us home safe, and I think that's the most important thing.
2: Last but certainly not least, uh, one of the most recognized uh, Medicine Hat Tigers would be Landon McDonald and uh, Dean and I had a chance to speak with Lanny a few years back when the WHL was putting out their top 50 players of all time list and uh, of course the topic of Bob Ridley came up in that conversation too here's Lanny McDonald
4: is that not unbelievable the no guy kidding. Is the play-by-play uh, he sells advertising he drives the bus he does it all he is their biggest fan from start to finish uh, the guy deserves a medal. He should be honored by the Western Hockey
0: League, uh, and hopefully uh, they have done that not only properly, but especially uh, in Medicine Hat as well.
2: What was it like uh, as a young kid to
1: see the play-by-play guy driving the bus? Did you think that was a little bit strange at the time?
4: Well, you kind of thought, okay, what if I got myself into here? But when you realize how confident he was at not only doing the play-by-play and being your biggest fan, but also driving the bus as well. Uh, the guy just loved the game, uh, loves the city, uh, loves being a part of the Medicine Hat Tigers organization. Uh, how cool is that?
2: There you go. I hope you enjoyed uh, that look back uh, with uh, some former Medicine Hat Tigers and their thoughts on Bob when we come back. The man himself, legendary broadcaster, Bob Ridley. You can hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show.
0: No sleep
3: till!
4: off the wall, falling. there was long, ago, as uh, He couldn't stop that rush. On the right
0: side, Goodberg walks in. Hands it up in front, Matt Sogard, making a nice read there. Stretching out those long legs.
1: Hey, it's Matt Sogard from the Madison Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
2: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there. This is The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and it's an in-the-dub segment as well. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. I know there's not much going on, uh, but we've got the uh, WHL Bantam draft uh, coming up, and the American draft here is actually, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's about to start in about an hour or two, uh, or actually this afternoon, I believe. Uh, but there are some things uh, happening, uh, and Dub Network is a great way to uh, stay up to date on all of that. My guest today uh, comes from the Western Hockey League. In fact, his name is probably synonymous for a lot of people with the Western Hockey League. Uh, he's been broadcasting with the Medicine Hat Tigers for, well, since their existence. Uh, Bob Ridley, welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Bob. Uh, great to speak with you again. How are things?
4: Gabe, thank you uh, so much for giving me a call and uh, making this uh, time available. Things are not that great as far as hockey is concerned, which is most understandable, and everybody's feeling the same way. But uh, uh really, we're trying to get through this. Like, uh, what do you do? Uh, usually this time of year, you're very, very busy preparing for the playoffs and in the playoffs and so on. And uh, we know who we're going to play in the first round of the playoffs. So preparations are being made for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and right now it's just absolutely nothing. So you're in kind of limbo, you kind of shake your head wondering what the heck to do with yourself and you can't even watch hockey on TV. So you know, uh, and I'm in the same boat as everybody right now, any hockey fan and anybody that's uh, going through this whole, uh, pandemic thing. And, uh, the main thing is you've got to stay positive. You've got to say, Hey, it's all for the common good. We've got to shut things down and let this thing go away. So, uh, right now, we're trying to work on those positives.
2: Now, I live uh, out in the country, so to stay isolated is is fairly easy. There's not a lot of people uh, right around uh, my house. How about for you? Are you right in Medicine Hat? What's uh, what's life like in the uh, in the gas city at the moment?
4: Yeah, we're right in right in the middle of town actually, and uh, actually, people are moving around. they doing their thing and you know, shopping and so on and maintaining the proper distances and all that kind of stuff. Most people are looking after the rules and obeying the rules very, very well. So that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, uh, situations whereby people have contacted uh, this uh, uh, virus right now, but, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, that could change. But right now things in Minnesota are pretty good, but we're very quiet.
2: Well, we're going to talk hockey, but uh, before I move on, I asked my mom if she's ever kind of experienced anything like this, and, and obviously, no. Most of us haven't. Um, but said, you know, when there was a polio outbreak in this, what was that, the '60s or something like that? Was there was it any similarity at all uh, from what uh, what you remember from back then?
4: Yeah, that was. Uh, I was pretty young back in the '50s, 15s. and uh, yeah. I was yeah, pretty young at that time. And and there was uh, people were very concerned about it. I know like uh, being raised uh, on the farm and in our community, nobody contacted it in the community where I'm from in that Drumheller area, but there was some people that uh, contacted it, especially hit the uh, young kids uh, really hard, you know, the, the youngsters uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, consequently uh, there were some similarities, but not nearly as bad as this, because, you know, back then uh, they had no idea how to combat it and everything else. And, They did come up with a vaccine, of course, and uh, uh, that kind of uh, halted things a little bit. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, We were totally unaware of what to do to get rid of that bug. And uh, it was similar, but not nearly as uh, severe as what this one is.
2: Now, I guess, I mean, with technology, uh, I mean, the world is a lot smaller than it used to be because of technology. And we can, uh, you know, talk to our loved ones on the other side of the country. We can see them on our phones and, and, and all of that. So maybe maybe it's a little bit easier these days, but uh, none, uh, not any less uh, scary, uh, I think, is uh, safe to say. But let's talk a little bit of hockey. And, and we started off with uh, the stoppage and where things are or were. Uh, as uh, the season came to a close and uh, it was another strong year again for the Medicine Hat Tigers and uh, it was looking very likely like a a first-round matchup with the arch-rival Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, A real shame the way it's come to an end here, but um, how would you describe the season up until it ended for the Tigers?
4: It was an outstanding year for this uh, Tiger team, actually, uh, Dee, with uh, 41 wins on the year and a real battle, uh, you know, with uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes for... Uh, You know, what was happening in the division with second and third place, kind of a seesaw battle throughout the course of the year. And the games against the Lethbridge Hurricanes during the regular season were just uh, fantastic, Uh, lots of competition, and everybody was really getting excited about the first round of the playoffs against Lethbridge. And and, uh, then all of a sudden it came to a grinding halt, which is uh, most disappointing. But uh, for the Tigers, getting Willie Desjardins back as the general manager head coach, that was just uh, a dynamite and the fans were getting excited again and uh, all was real good. We're very positive here in the Southeast quarter of Alberta, but um, unfortunately we've got to hit the deck running again next year if indeed we have hockey next year and uh, try to get that momentum back again.
2: With Willie coming back this year, did it seem like a comfortable fit? I mean, obviously the team had success, but you, I, I always wonder if uh, a coach coming back to the junior leagues from the NHL is almost like uh, you're going back to high school again. And, you know, would you still have that same sort of excitement about it? It seemed uh, from the outside looking in that it seemed like a good fit, uh, but you were close to it.
4: A real good fit. And I'll tell you why, Gee. he's, uh, you know, a very close uh, member of our community. Always has been, even when he uh, stepped into the NHL for those few years. Uh, he, uh, you know, he started in a hockey academy here in Medicine Hat and surrounding area. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, Willie uh, uh, Burwig, owns the golf course down there in the Cypress Hills, which is only about 50 minutes away. And he was just such a big part of the community, always willing to speak at functions and so on. And uh, we missed him while he was gone, but he just moved right back in here as if he never left. And uh, uh, people think the world of Willie Desjardins and, and what he brings not only to the community, but to the hockey community as well.
2: I didn't know he owned the golf course at Cypress Hills.
4: He sure does. So if you're uh, looking for a round of golf, uh, I know Willie would uh, certainly give you a free round. (laughs) Precious (laughs) on (laughs) Willie.
2: I'll let him know that you said that. Uh, That's great. (laughs) Uh, Now, the leaders for the team this year, uh, familiar names for sure. Jimmy Hamblin had a terrific season once again. And unfortunate the way his WHL career has to end short like that. Brett Kemp, uh, another strong year. What do you say about Cole Sillinger and his rookie campaign? More than a point per game. I know he was uh, limited to just 48 games, but 53 points along the way this year. Uh, really impressive debut. Uh, now, I, I rattled off three names, but who immediately stands out to you uh, from this
4: season? Well, uh, you just mentioned uh, Jimmy Hamlin uh, as a leader, as a uh, team captain, and so on. What, what a great career do you like to yeah. uh, start off as a scrawny kid out of Edmonton and, uh, you know, just kept improving year after year. And five years uh, with the Minnesota Tigers, he was just fantastic in his final year. And as an overage, that's how you're supposed to be: be a big leader, uh, pick uh, pick up uh, big points. And uh, he did that, and uh, did even more. Not only leader in the uh, uh, locker room, but also on the ice. And uh, Jim Hamlin will go down in the uh, Tiger archives and history as just one of the greatest Tigers ever. And uh, we really enjoyed watching him develop over the years. He's just fantastic. And uh, uh, it's just like you said, uh, it's so unfortunate that, that uh, his career ended the way it is as far as junior hockey is concerned. We know, though, with his uh, character and makeup, that he's going to move on and be a fantastic pro, uh, whether it's in Europe or. Uh, here in North America. So we wish him all the best. Uh, Cole Sillinger, boy, has he got some good things uh, happening for him. What a future he's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, what of the leaders as far as rookies were concerned this year? And uh, he's just going to get uh, bigger, stronger, and uh, even more potent next year. So he'll be a big leader for the Tiger Hockey Club, no question about it.
2: Jimmy Hamblin, I think, uh, ended up uh, just looking at the um, franchise uh, records thirteenth in scoring uh, all time. Uh, that's how strong his his uh, s- uh, career was in the WHL and go back to those uh, days in the seventies and the eighties when scoring was a lot higher. Uh guys finished with uh, you know well over hundred points every year. Um that's uh that's pretty impressive uh for Jimmy Hamlin uh, uh for sure. Uh in net Mad Sogard, what kind of a, a second season did he have uh, in the WHL?
4: Well he got off to a real slow start, uh, G, like, uh he didn't uh uh, he came back from Ottawa's camp. He was kind of unsure of himself a little bit. Of course, uh, they had the goaltender instructors uh, kind of coaxing him along a little bit, giving him some uh, thoughts and some uh, different ways of doing things. And uh, that just didn't seem to work for uh, Matt Sogard. And uh, in the second half of the season, he got uh, back to the way he feels comfortable in playing the game. And uh, is, uh, it certainly improved Uh the way he was doing things, he, uh, you know, turned out to be actually the go-to guy for the Tigers again. And they were certainly counting on him big time in the playoffs. So uh, Matt Solgaard, uh had an up-and-down year, but he finished off strong. So uh, that speaks well for him as he's found his game again. And uh, that's not good news for the opposition.
2: <laughs> that's fair to say uh bob ridley is the voice longtime voice of the tigers uh, my guest here on the pipeline show uh now bob the uh the next game that you call would have been the uh, four thousandth uh, game number four thousand uh, for the tigers unfortunately we end up the, the the season ends one game short of that uh so you're sitting at three nine 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 now uh I, i'm sure you were looking forward to, to that game um maybe just to touch on uh hitting that milestone game and and um Just the disappointment of not being able to cross the finish line just yet.
4: Well, it was uh, disappointing, no question. But, uh, you know, it's more important that we take care of this book that's going around. And, uh, you know, shutting things down was the right thing to do, no question. Mm -hmm. We can always play another hockey game, Maggie, and uh, that will come down the road. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, quite a milestone, actually. Like, I didn't realize I was even close until, oh, a couple of years ago. And uh, I kind of thought, well, you know, if my health holds out, well, uh, maybe I can achieve that, uh, 4,000 mark and, uh, you know, and, uh, just as a personal goal, if nothing else, it, uh, will, uh, indicate to me that, hey, you've had a pretty good career there, guys. So, uh, just keep uh, pounding away. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was something I was kind of looking forward to as we moved closer and closer. And I know the Tigers were as well. They had all kinds of good things planned and, and, uh, for that, uh, 4,000 game, which would have been, against the Swift Current Broncos. And uh, uh, speaking of Swift Current, that's where I actually called my first game way back uh, when. And uh, it was going to be a real good uh, fit as far as, you know, doing that particular game with uh, Swift Current being in town. But it didn't happen, so we'll have to wait and see what uh, goes on down the road. But interesting note, uh, a couple of uh, people from the Eminent Oil Kings, uh, the uh, training staff there with uh, cheese and rogues, They decided to uh, celebrate along with me. So they uh, went and bought themselves um, uh, 50 beverages that uh, I'm supposed to drink someplace down the road. (laughs) And I want to thank them for that. Uh, You know, that that was just a fantastic gesture on behalf of those two guys. And uh, uh, who knows, maybe we can hook up uh, sometime this summer and uh, get into those beverages. But. I received uh, you know a lot of congratulations from around the entire Western Hockey League. So it uh, hasn't happened yet, but uh, DM, I'm sure we're going to make it happen.
2: All right. Well, hopefully the first game uh, against uh, Swift Current, or, or the first game of the next season, is against Swift Current, and then can have that nice bookend uh, for sure. But I, I call it the finish line. I guess that that's probably the wrong term because you're not hanging them up uh, after you hit four thousand, right? You're You've always said as long as your health is good, and it is, uh, you'd, keep, you'd like to keep going. So there's no end in sight yet, is there?
4: Well, not really, but uh, you know that can change in a heartbeat. Who would have thought this uh, uh, coronavirus would uh, interrupt things? So you just never know, but I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing right now, and uh, we will carry on for as long as it can.
2: All right, knock on wood. Uh, do you mind if we uh, chat a little bit about uh, uh, your career and and how you got into things, uh, if you don't mind. Do you have some time?
4: Uh, sure do. Gee, go ahead.
2: All right. Well, take me back. Uh, now you've been uh, behind the mic for the Tigers since the inaugural season for the uh, the franchise back in 1970. Uh, I was born in 71, Bob. Not trying to make you feel old. Oh, but... really?
4: <laughs> yes. You you are making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, where were you in 1969? What were you doing uh, before you got uh, behind the microphone?
4: Well, uh in 1969, I'd moved to Medicine at in 1968. I was doing the play-by-play for the Joyline Blades, which was a senior team here in town, in the old uh, arena. That's the old, old arena, or the Arena Garden, as they called it. And it burned down two-thirds of the way through the season, uh just during playoff time, as a matter of fact. And uh, consequently, the next year, in 1969, there was no hockey in Medicine Hat. To speak, of just some minor hockey and some of the outdoor rinks and that was it as uh, they were building uh, the new rink. Uh, you know, I know there's a state-of-the-art building here. Anybody uh, that's ever toured through Medicine Adams saw the arena, as they called it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, just an outstanding building and, you know, a great, uh, great building to watch a game out of and uh, call the game out of and everything else. And we were in that building for 45 years, and now they've got the Kanata Center. So actually i um, been fortunate to have called hockey out of, Three different buildings here in Medicine Hat. I've been able to outlive them all so far. I don't <laughs> think my chances are very good here at the canal Center, but uh, so far so good.
2: Uh, all right. And well, then uh, when the WHL arrives, there must have been some uh, excitement uh, around the city uh, for that. And uh, it just take me back and, and what it was like uh, doing the job back then, and how maybe how things have changed over. The, the last one. Well, the last 50 years, things have changed a lot. But um, you know, the what was the technology like for for broadcasting games back then?
4: Well, it's pretty simple, and uh, as you could well imagine, there was no computers or anything like that. So a lot of hit and miss type stuff, and uh, uh, consequently, you weren't sure if you're going to get on the air or not. But for the most part, it worked out uh, pretty well. But uh, as far as the fans were concerned, uh, they used to come to the. Uh, uh, old arena dressed in their finery the guys had their tuxes on and the uh, women had their uh, nice uh, uh, going out uh, dining dresses and everything else and that was back in 1970 and uh, people were packing the building and hockey was just uh, such a big thing uh, for the first number of years here in Medicine Hat and of course in early in the Tigers career they went to the Memorial Cup in 1973 that was held in Montreal, that was a special time. We had about seven or eight hundred people follow us down there to the Memorial Cup, and uh, the series was played at the old Montreal Forum, which was a wow. fantastic old building. And we really enjoyed that. But um, that was the early part of hockey and medicine had and uh, you know it had its uh, uh, ups and downs. Uh, ever since then, as junior hockey does, as all of hockey does there's a good years and bad years and so on but for the most part uh, certainly it's uh, one of the more successful franchises here in the Western Hockey League and it, it's been just great
1: to be a part of.
2: Well that first season the team missed the playoffs uh, but two years later yep. won the WHL championship so quick turnaround there. Uh, off that first season uh, uh, Tom Lysiak was on that team wasn't
4: he? Tom Lysiak was uh, he was on the first team and Uh, he uh, after his uh, first year second year he he won back-to-back scoring championships that's how good he was Mm -hmm. and uh, Landon McDonald came to the Tigers in their second year he hooked up with Tom Lasiak and the rest is history as far as what they accomplished with this Tiger team without those two uh, the Tigers would not have gone uh, to the Memorial Cup in Montreal in 73 so that's how important they were and and they were two individuals that caught the imagination of uh, Medicine at Tiger fans, and unfortunately, they were so good that the fans kind of expected to have those kind of players uh, show up all the time. But it just does not happen. And uh, but uh, they moved on with uh, fantastic careers, and it was great to have them here in Medicine Hat.
2: What was seventeen-year-old Lanny <laughs> McDonald like? the uh, The instant image you have of Lanny McDonald is with the big mustache, but didn't have the mustache uh, when he was a tiger.
4: No, he didn't, uh, didn't develop that until he turned pro, but Landy McDonald with or without the mustache has always been a proponent of promotion of hockey, whether it's at the uh, Western Hockey League level or the NHL level and at, uh, you know, the Olympics and everything else. He loves the game of hockey and he did as a junior, he'd love to sit in front of a microphone and uh, talk hockey and he would do that all day. And, uh, uh, he was just a, a great individual and uh, set the bar very very high for those that followed. And uh, in some instances, I don't think uh, there'll ever be another Lanny McDonald. Uh,
2: but you have had lots of players come through uh, Medicine Hat with the Tigers uh, who have gone on to have uh, NHL success. Some of them, a lot of NHL success. Uh, the uh, the the two Memorial Cups back to back in the uh, mid to late '80s. The 86-87 team in the 87-88 club. Uh, who uh, who were on those uh, teams that, that won back-to-back years that uh, that stood out uh, that, or that stand out in your memory?
4: Uh, there's uh, so many of them. And as you know, to uh, win back-to-back Memorial Cups like that, you've got to have a, a very good team. A uh, good balance with uh, stars and grunt players and goaltending and everything else. Mark Fitzpatrick, of course, uh, won... Uh, a goaltender of the tournament uh, both years there uh, for the Minnesota Tigers. We had Trevor Linden, Mark Peterson, Robbie DeMille, uh Dean Schmelth, and uh, Wayne McBean, and Scott McCrady and the list goes on and on. It was, I don't know, it was just a, a well-balanced team, a team that uh, came together as a unit at the right time. That uh, 87 team, they lost, I think, uh, 12 of their first uh, 13 games of the uh, Western Hockey League season, and they got really mad at themselves, and uh, they uh, turned right around and uh, went on, won the league championship, and also the more Memorial Cup. So, you know, it uh, it, it was a uh, it's a storybook team. There's no question about it. I don't think there's been a team in the Western Hockey League like it since.
2: One of the first WHL games I ever saw was actually in Medicine Hat. It was uh, the Tigers and uh, the Calgary Hitmen. But back then, how many teams were in Southern Alberta? And what were the uh, the travel distances like uh, on the road?
4: Well, as uh, far as teams were concerned, in 87, we had uh, Lethbridge, of course, uh, Calgary, and ourselves in southern Alberta. And that was pretty much it, uh, Gee. So uh, it was pretty much uh, the same then as it is now.
2: Yeah, and then into Saskatchewan, you had uh, Regina's been there forever, and, and Moose Shaw as well. Swift for, Current. Yeah, Swift yeah. Current. So yeah, I guess you didn't have uh, uh, quite the distance to travel all the time uh, like the like there is now uh, tell me about uh, kelly rudy as a, a medicine hat tiger obviously a, a guy who has gone on to become a, a pretty solid broadcaster himself uh, when, when you think back of kelly rudy at that age did you see nhl player and then the uh, broadcaster after that did you see that in him
4: that's all i saw was an nhl player i know what uh, kelly always wanted to uh, chit chat with me uh, He'd come up on those long hours on the bus and Mm-hmm. Stand in front and uh, we'd have uh, a little talk. I always wanted to talk hockey because, I mean, that's what it was all about, but he wanted to talk broadcasting. So even then, when he was just a young kid uh, with the the Tiger Hockey Club as a goaltender, there were uh, certain indications there that uh, his second career just may be broadcasting. And uh, lo and behold, that's exactly what it has become. And he's been a long time uh, broadcaster now with Hockey Night in Canada. So good for kelly and uh you know uh i just hope we can uh, keep it all going because uh you know how things are at the uh top of the broadcast uh level right now you've got uh people coming and going and everything else so uh but kelly is uh he's a warrior and he will hang in there i'm sure
2: why do you think uh, goaltenders often get into uh, coaching or broadcasting they, they they always seem to or i don't know if Disproportional to uh, other positions, but it seems like there's a lot of goalies who go onto those uh, avenues.
4: Isn't that the truth, though? And I've uh, even asked uh, Kelly Rudy that. And he he uh, was rather philosophical about it, but he says you're on the ice for the entire game. You get to uh, uh, see different patterns that develop and so on, and uh, how certain teams play and uh, versus other teams and so on. And he says. Uh, if you don't know the game itself as far as systems are concerned you're going to fall behind the eight ball and uh, you'll never be able to catch up and I think the goal are real students of the game more so than maybe a forward or a defenseman not saying that they don't know what the game is all about but I think they have to be real students of the game to be successful and I think that's one one reason why uh, goal can be very good broadcasters and uh, analysts and also coaches there's some uh, Great coaches as goaltenders as well. They really are students of the game, and uh, they know how to put it across. And uh, that's uh, my view on it anyway, and I don't think I'm too far away from that.
2: Uh, The Tigers have won five, is it five WHL championships and a couple of Memorial Cups?
4: Five it is. You got it.
2: Now, it hasn't always been successful. There was a string of five uh, dead last finishes in uh, the late 90s to early 2000s as well. What was that time like uh, around the franchise?
4: I'll tell you one thing, uh things were ugly here in Medicine. Hat. <laughs> People were very unhappy that there's no playoffs there for those five years and and all uh you know, all the fans were unhappy and I'd be accosted on the street and wondering what the heck's going on and why can't we uh get into the winning column here and uh as a result sometimes bailed out. They just said, Hey, enough's enough of if uh things aren't gonna happen whereby we get some playoff hockey. We'll, we'll start doing other things. And uh, we lost a lot of fans as a result of that. And uh, consequently, uh, when Willie came in, he got us back into the playoffs again, fans started to get excited again. And uh, the support uh, was right there and, uh, it all became uh, good again, uh, under the capable, uh, watch of, uh, Willie Desjardins. So, you know, it's, uh, fans are fickle. There's no doubt. Uh, you've seen it all over the league and, uh, you, you've got to be winners or they're just going to bail right out on you. We certainly had that admit us that it's not a lot of fun game.
2: Uh, no, that's for sure. Now, I have to ask you about the the, uh, the bus and some, some of the stories you probably have from the bus. And, and I, I, you've been on the show and you've you've talked about it before. But maybe for somebody that's hearing this interview and, uh, and, and is getting to know you for the first time, the fact that you were calling games is one thing for 50 years and have only missed one game and not of, not due to illness or anything like that, but add to that that uh, you were driving the bus for a lot of that time as well. To me, that's it's amazing because I I'll go down to Red Deer and watch a game, and you know I'll I'll uh, carpool with uh, with Corey Graham or, or Andrew Peard and I fall asleep on the way home. You you, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have that luxury, and that's only two hours away. Uh, what? How did that come about? Where suddenly you're you're doing both? You're calling the games. You're driving to the game, and you're driving uh, back after as well. That's, uh, it's mind-blowing to me.
4: Well, what happened, Guy, uh, is that the Tigers, uh, much like other teams back in that era, in the early 70s, uh, bought their own bus. They thought they could uh, do things a little bit cheaper rather than uh, go the other way, paying insurance and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> and uh, So the Tigers bought their own bus. It was an old broken-down Greyhound. It already had uh, 2,500,000 miles on it, not clicks, but miles. <laughs> and it was just, uh, it was worn out. But uh, they bought it, and uh, but uh, they put the cart before the horse. They bought the bus, but didn't have a driver. So as a result, they did hire themselves a driver, and uh, things were good. And he made uh, one half a trip. And uh, uh, the Tigers coach, uh, you know, Jack Shoup at the time says, Well, Bob, you're from a farm. I'm sure that you can uh, drive this thing if needed. I said, well, I'll certainly help out. And consequently, the regular driver, he uh, uh, kind of bailed out on us halfway through that first trip and uh, I took over and and, uh, the rest is history. (laughs) I, you know, uh, uh, drove the uh, bus on a full-time basis after that for 45 years. So it was just one thing that kind of fit for me. I've always enjoyed driving. And of course I had to go anyway to do the play by play. So uh it uh turned out pretty good. Uh later years though, they've uh you know developed laws regarding uh hours of operation uh in driving a bus and and so on, and uh it became more cumbersome with doing the play by play. There's more going on with that as well, more technology and so on, and more prep work and doing uh play by play action in the Western Hockey League. So consequently I had to back away here in the last few years but uh that's how it all happened it was i just happened to be in the right pra- uh, right place at the wrong time and hence i became a bus driver
1: oh
2: that's funny but uh you mentioned <laughs> that uh, kelly rudy and other players would come up uh, to the front and uh, and just chat with you make sure that uh, you're not uh, starting to doze off or anything like that uh, uh, any were there some guys uh over the the, the number of years that uh, seemed like they were regulars uh up to the front of the bus to chat with you
4: well, uh, outside of Kelly Rudy, yeah, uh, uh, we had Steve DiGiorno. He was another uh, big star for the Tigers back in the, back in the seventies and so on. Ron Arashinkoff, They used to, a lot of, a lot of people can't sleep on the bus and, uh, they get bored and they come up and chit chat for maybe half, three quarters of an hour and so on. So, uh, I was never without uh, company, you might say, and it, it was really good. Uh, that way you really get to know the players very well and, uh, some of them, as a result of that, became uh, very, very good friends as we uh, moved forward and uh, still in touch with them as well.
2: Well, you really get to know guys, that's for sure. Uh, I had Mark Russell on the show about uh, two weeks ago. I don't know if you heard any of that interview, but we chatted a bit about you, and he, he uh, mentioned uh, that uh, guys would go up to the front of the bus and chat as well because uh, – Every once in a while, they'd hear the rumble strips, and they called them the Ridley
4: strips. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so they know it's, yeah. it's time to go up front and have a chat with Bob.
4: Yeah. Got to keep the old guy awake, for God's <laughs> sake. <Yeah. laughs> no, it was it was all good in the relationship that you uh, built with these players. That uh, in all the eras that you've come through, has just been fantastic. And I know uh, that uh, there would have been a good response with alumni players coming back and. Uh, you know, being a part of that special night uh, 4000, and, and uh, that would have been super too. And hopefully they can uh, still do that when indeed it does happen.
2: Um, weather on the road can be uh, tricky for sure, especially when you're going through the mountains and things like that. Uh, ever have, uh, you know, knock on wood, nothing like that uh, occurs, but um, off the road or uh, stuck in snow or anything like that, there's uh, some, uh, some tough trips along the way?
4: Oh, yes. Many, many times, uh, you know, you'd be uh, tied up. Uh, I remember one time going to uh, Regina, we got held up in a big blizzard uh, at Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, just uh, on the number one highway there. And uh, the police, they uh, closed the road down before we got there. And uh, we had to stay in Gull Lake. And some of the players were housed in the Gull Lake Jail and they had to spend the night there. And as we, <laughs> they plowed the road, so we could get back to medicine Ad and play that game another time. But, uh, yeah, lots of adventures on the road. Some I look back on and smile a little bit others. I'm just uh, thankful that, uh, we're able to, uh, uh, get back home again because, uh, uh, yeah, there were some awful times, especially on that number three highway, uh, going out to Cranbrook. And we had to do that. What for, was it 25 years or something like that? So, uh, Uh, Yeah, it wasn't pleasant, but, um, you know, uh, touch wood. uh, We were very fortunate uh, during that time, and we were able to make it through and back without any problems.
2: And wildlife, too, I would have to think, probably along the way. Yeah, those
4: critters, got to, well, like, uh, you're coming from Prince George down to Edmonton, uh, and uh, on that uh, particular highway, you're dealing with moose all the time. They use the highway as their own highway. So consequently, they're, they're uh, licking salt off the road and everything else. And you come around a corner, there you're faced with a goofy moose. And I had one even uh, tried to uh, chase me down on the road. He was racing with me, uh going down the road. And, you know, uh, that was a little bit scary because I didn't know if he was going to turn into me and and uh, charge the bus. I know that happened to the Prince George Cougars once where a moose charged the bus and... Uh, uh, put a big dent in the front of the bus. And, you know, the, those things, uh, they're so unpredictable. And deer can be as well. So, yeah, critters were another uh, problem that you had to deal with driving as well. And uh, uh, those uh, drivers here in the West York, know, still have to do that. So that's always a problem.
2: Now, Bob, when you got into broadcasting, what was your goal? What I mean, at that time, was it I want to be in the NHL and and be like those guys, or did you have a an end game sort of with your broadcasting career?
4: Not really, gee, actually, I got in doing the play-by-play just by accident. Uh, I was uh, this jockey in Swift Current at the time, and the uh, sports guy he decided to leave. He went to Winnipeg, and uh, they were looking around. And I just happened to be uh, the guy around that enjoyed sports. I played hockey and baseball and so on uh, growing up. So uh, they asked me if I would want to slide in and uh, become the sports director. I said, sure, why not? So uh, that's how it got going in sports. And uh, my first game, of course, uh, was an intermediate game. The Old Swift Current Indians, and uh, they were playing. And I believe it was against the Wilkie Outlaws. And uh, there you Mm -hmm. go. It was Intermediate Hockey and the old uh, uh, Citizens Rink and Swift Guard is no longer there, of course, and that's uh, how we got started. But uh, I originally started off as um, as a disc hockey, and I kind of enjoyed that a little bit too. But uh, uh, hockey certainly been my thing ever since.
2: Well, this might be a tough question. It might be like asking uh, Mick Jagger what his favorite uh, Rolling Stones song is or something. But uh, uh, along the way, are, what were some of the the, the highlight games for you where you – uh, I don't know if it was the way you called the game or what was happening on the ice, but you know, when if uh, if you were to uh, make a top ten list, so to speak, um, what what would be near the top uh, moments uh, as a broadcaster for the Tigers?
4: Well, you know, gee, that you know, I I'm, I'm asked that question a, a whole lot. Probably the top game ever was in the 2007 uh, playoffs. Uh, we're uh, playing the Vancouver Giants uh,
1: mm-hmm.
4: here at the uh, old arena. It was uh, game seven and uh, we'd gone into two periods of overtime uh, and the Fog Bowl and uh, everything else. There was all kinds of things going on in in that particular game and Brandon Barr scored the uh, game winning goal in double overtime. And uh, that to me was probably my most exciting call ever. And um, I know for the fans, they still speak of that. It was uh, the most exciting time ever. We also had, uh, Steve DeJura scoring the uh, uh, game-winning goal in game seven in a seven-game series against the uh, Billings Bighorns. Hmm. That was uh, way back, and uh, I, I believe uh, Gerard was the uh, goaltender at that particular time, and uh, uh, Steve DeJura scored that very exciting uh, game-winning goal. That was at the older win as well. We had uh, Barry Dean scoring uh, the game winning goal against the Saskatoon Blades that sent the Tigers to the Memorial Cup and back in 1973 there's been so many uh, big goals scored by uh, different individuals over the history of this Tiger Hockey Club uh, just too numerous to mention And uh, but I think finally back on that uh, one goal that uh, Brandon Barr scored in double overtime to send the Tigers to the Memorial Cup in 07 and and uh, I know there's a lot of fans here in Medicine app that uh, remember that very fondly as well.
2: Lastly, Bob, last question for you, and I really appreciate uh, your time today. Uh, if if a young broadcaster came to you and asked you for some tips, uh, do you have any uh, uh, advice for a, a young broadcaster just getting in and what they should do, what makes a, a good broadcaster?
4: Well, as far as uh, tips are concerned, yeah. I've uh, worked with a number of young guys uh, over the uh, course of the last uh, 10, 15 years and so on, that want to know more and uh, try to help them along a little bit. And uh, first of all, I say, hey, guys, you've got to be very, very patient. Just trying to get into the uh, play-by-play field is uh, tough enough, and you may have to start off at uh, the Tier 2 level uh, and uh, kind of uh, work your way up. And right now I'm working with a couple of guys that are broadcasting at the tier two level and so on and and then when they, you do get a break to to jump in the western hockey league grab it and go for it doesn't matter where it's at you know uh it may not be a beautiful city like portland or edmonton or anything like that but you know you just gotta reach out grab it and uh, go for it and and uh if you really love it uh, well enough you'll kind of hang in there and uh, uh work with it uh, you, you can't become a play-by-play guy overnight it it takes uh a few years to get into the rhythm and get the flow going and everything else and uh, build that uh, memory bank that uh, you need to uh, do a good job with it. But uh, patience is probably the key word when you talk about becoming a play-by-play guy.
2: There it is. Bob, always appreciate your time when you come on the program, uh, and uh, hopefully we get back to business here uh, sooner as opposed to later, and you can uh, check off that number 4,000 box and continue on with the career. Great to chat with you once again. Thank you for your time. Be well.
4: Take care, Gee, and uh, you be safe as well.
2: That, of course, the one and only Bob Ridley of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Always a pleasure when he's on the show and an absolute treat to uh, spend that much time uh, picking his brain and uh, going through some of his memory banks, uh, what the, the last 50 years has been like as the voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Thanks to uh, all the uh, guests that you heard in the segment previous to that, who were sharing thoughts that they had and memories of Bob Ridley, those uh, interviews done over the last 15 years uh, for the Pipeline show. And uh, so obviously thanks also to my co-host for uh, most of those years, Dean Millard. And all I can say is, uh, Bob, if you are actually listening to this segment, uh, thank you for uh, the time that uh, you've uh, spent with me as well, uh, before or after games, in between periods sometimes as well, uh, chatting and uh, all the times that you've come on The Pipeline Show, a true professional and a uh, a legend in our business. And uh, we're all waiting for Game 4000. That will do it for this week's episode of The Pipeline Show. I told you it was going to be a little bit different, and it will be. And next week, what's on the show? I have no idea at this point. Basically, winging it. So, hey, if you've got some ideas or some uh, requests, uh, fire those off to me on Twitter at TPS Reminder uh, to check out the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. You can hear uh, all the interviews... For each episode, uh, two or three days sometimes uh, before the uh, actual full episode comes out. Early access uh, privileges uh, for those who sign up to be patrons. A couple of bucks a month goes directly onto your credit card. I don't see your credit card numbers or anything like that. It's all done securely through PayPal. Uh, so if uh, if you want to help out the show, that'd be great. I have actually lost a couple of sponsors here uh, since the world has uh, come to a screeching halt. So anything that uh, listeners to the show... Ascend My Way is greatly appreciated for sure. Till I talk to you next week, stay home, be safe, and take care. See you next week.